Welcome to Mediocre Outdoors, Episode 2. Today we're going to talk about footwear and care. I apologize for the audio today. I'm getting over a cold and there's some sniffling and coughing uh, in the background. But hopefully that's just for this episode and the audio will be better next episode. Uh, So I hope you enjoy the show. You're only as good as your feet. This is something that was told to me years ago. When you're in the woods, when you're in the wilderness, when you're outside, you have to depend on yourself. And your feet are what move you, what get you from point A to point B. And if you can't walk, well, the outcome is usually not too good. You have to help yourself, and by helping yourself, you have to take care of your feet. So we'll start with socks. Um, There's all kinds of socks out there. There's merino wool socks, there's cotton socks, there's poly blend socks, there's regular old wool socks. There's sock liners, there's synthetic sock liners, there's merino wool sock liners, there's hybrids, there's all kinds of stuff out there. And it all depends on your application. It depends on weather, terrain, where you're going, how long you're going to be out, uh, what you're doing. So all these things come into effect. Um, let's take merino wool, for instance. I, I personally love merino wool socks. And uh, it was about, I don't know, five years or so ago. Um, we were on uh, a fire. Me and some people were on a fire in eastern Washington, and um, it was hot. It was like 95 degrees out, and I was wearing cotton socks and my leather boots, and my feet were sweating, and I was getting blisters, and we were hiking miles and miles. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't figure it out why I was getting these blisters and yada yada. Well, finally somebody told me that hey, you need to be wearing merino wool socks. And I thought, you know, you're crazy. Wool socks in the summertime, we're fighting fire, like your feet are going to really sweat. But what I learned uh, what I learned later was is that merino wool, uh, whatever whatever's in it, and I'm not a I'm not a sock scientist or a moisture control guy or anything like that. So but what I found is that they were right in the fact that that merino wool has properties in it that, that allow your sweat to pull away from your foot. And there's some th- synthetics and some poly blends that do the same thing. Um, but for some reason, it wicks moisture. Not only does it wick moisture, but it doesn't hold bacteria. The, the, the great thing about it is, I guess its, its main selling point is it doesn't hold bacteria. So you don't get smell. Um, so I switched to merino wool socks for, for the summertime. And I started noticing that I had less and less foot problems. Um, I could also go two or three days in a pair of socks instead of one day. Um, without smell, without blisters. 
after about three or four days, you probably want to change your socks. Uh, I wouldn't make it a habit of wearing the same sweaty socks day in and day out if you're continuously uh, out in the woods. But it can be done with the merino wool socks. Um, then somebody introduced me to sock liners. Sock liners are another thing that I, I just wasn't familiar with. Uh, a lot of people that hike use them. Um, and basically, think of it as uh, a base layer for your foot, right? So um, if, you're, if you're familiar with Under Armour and some of the other products that has the moisture wicking um, materials, it pulls that sweat away from your body and then disperses it back into the air. Well, a lot of your sock liners do a similar thing. Um, they pull that moisture away from your foot so your foot's not wet, so it's less friction. Um, and then that moisture is released into the wool sock. The wool sock, if you have regular wool, will hold it and slowly dissipate it. Or the merino wool supposedly is a little bit better at that. Uh, I don't know. You guys can fact check me on that. But anyways, you, you, you get that... <clears throat> You get that or that sweat out away from your foot into the other fibers, and then it'll dissipate out, and it'll cause less problems. So, sock liners and socks; those are those are huge when it comes to foot care. Um, you know, your poly socks and your cotton socks all have their own place. Even regular old wool socks; um, they're more climate and year specific seasonal specific but for the most part if you're going to be out in the woods and you're going to be wearing boots i would highly recommend at least wearing merino wool socks and the other thing is is make sure your sock is taller than your boot that'll also help with friction and blisters and rubbing on your ankles or your bottom of your calf depending on how tall your boots are so that takes us into boots. Uh, boots are something that, for me, um, I've been fighting with, with the boot thing, I don't know, 20 plus years. Um, boots have probably been the number one tool in my career path. Um, no matter, seems like what I do, boots are always huge. And you can, you know, I mean... It just depends on what is right for you. But, you know, the things to look for when you're looking for boots is price, function, support, comfort, how long are they going to last, and what kind of warranty do they have. Those, those are the main things people look at when you're deciding on what kind of boot to get. Because there's plenty of boots out there that look and seem the same, but may not be. So... You know, you got you got to take all this stuff into consideration. Taking this stuff into consideration, let's start off with price. Okay, so if you have a budget, you need to figure that budget out. Because when you're looking at boots, you can find a boot from $50 all the way up to $500. And I'm sure there's some you can find cheaper and some you can find way more expensive. But that's the average range of a good pair of boots. Um, 
so that's what you got to look at, right? Like, what are the function? Uh, this is going to help dictate the price. The functions. Uh, what seasons are you planning on wearing these boots? Is it going to be hot or cold? Is it going to be wet or dry? You know, what is the terrain? Is it going to be wetlands, fields, forests, desert, foothills, mountains? Where, where are you going to be using these boots at? Um, that's also going to matter. You know, and then you got to look at support. Okay, do, do, am I in terrain where I'm going to need good ankle support? Am I in a terrain where I'm going to need heavy, thick soles? Um, you know, make sure you have the proper laces and lacing systems. Do you want a regular laced foot or do you want a toe lace foot? And we can get into that later, but that's two different styles of boots. Um, are they leather? What's the quality of the leather? Is the leather heavy and, and hard to break in or is it a thinner leather that is supple and easy to break in? Um... You know, there because that becomes like abrasion resistance. If you're in a bunch of sticker blackberries and uh, thorns and and rough stuff that's going to tear and rip at your boots, well, you're going to want a heavier, thicker, stronger leather. You don't want a a soft leather because it's just going to get tore up and then they're going to be destroyed. So, things to think about. Um, other things to think about are comfort, right? How much do these boots weigh? Because I guarantee you, a, a two-pound pair of boots versus, you know, a 12-ounce pair of boots doesn't seem like much. But on a long, long trek, you're going you're gonna to feel it. Um, what kind of uh, flex do you have in your sole? Okay, so a lot of these more mountaineering-style boots uh, will have a steel shank in the sole. And that'll, that helps when you're on rough, rocky terrain. Um... Some some companies even have a measuring system for this, one being the most flexible and four being the stiffest. So if you're going to be doll sheep hunting in, you know, Alaska somewhere, you're going to want a, a fork shank and so that you're not, you know, twisting your ankles and, and your feet can actually roll over rocks without being poked and jabbed and beat up. So it's just, it's a stiffer boot. Um, the insulation factor, you know, how, how, where are you going to be? Is it going to be wet and cold? Um, are you going to be in snow? Are you going to want more insulation than say somebody that's hunting Arizona coos deer in January? Are you going to be, you know, just what are you, what are you doing? Um, and then obviously, you know, there's the two main kinds of, of material used on the outer shell of a boot is usually leather or cordura, or a combination of the two. You know, there's another thing you got to think about. Okay, well, am I going to be in an area where I need a heavy leather boot because I need that outer shell protection? Or can I get away with a lighter material like cordura because I'm not going to be in rough country that's going to tear and rip at my boots? Am I going to be in open country? Because if you're in open country, then you're not going to need so much of the leather. Um, these are things you just you got to figure out um, how long do they last, right? Because if I, I know for myself, if I'm going to put, you know, $250, $300 into a pair of boots, I expect it to last longer than one season because I don't have the kind of money to go out there and throw 300 bucks at a pair of boots every year. 
Now, some of you might, and that's fine. I don't care. That's good for you. Uh, but for most of us, if we're going to invest that kind of money and our spouse allows us to invest that kind of money, then we need to make sure it's an investment that's going to last. I need to at least get two, three seasons out of it, um, which even at $100 a year is still pretty steep for me. So I want to make sure these are going to be a quality footwear and that are going to last. Um, and how long they last, some depends on the boot and the manufacturer, but a lot of it depends on you. You know, you got to pick that boot that fits. So if you take a, for instance, you take a uh, lighter weight, maybe a hiking boot or, uh, or something along those lines where say 50 to $80 boots, right? They're not Gore-Tex, they're not waterproof, they're not uh, so much leather, they're probably a leather Cordura mix, um, soft soles, real flexible, super comfortable, but you end up hunting in western Washington in November where your feet are constantly soaked every day, your the brush is ripping through these things constantly. You're taking them off at night. You're drying them out on a boot dryer. You're putting them back on the next day. You're going back out. You're getting them wet. You're drying them out. All those things, man, weigh heavily on a boot. Um, for instance, drying them out and then wearing them the next day and drying them out and wearing them the next day. That's the worst thing you can do for leather. You're just you're just progressing the deterioration of a natural product. That's just it's going to break down faster. Not to mention you're causing it to stretch and then it shrinks and stretch. All that time the glue and the stitching and everything else that's holding that boot together is constantly being worked. And it just wears it out so much faster. Um so by picking the proper boot for your application, uh, then you, then you your boot's gonna last longer, right? So uh, the opposite of that would be maybe you know you have I don't know a uh, mountaineering boot. Say I don't know you say you said five hundred dollars on a mountaineering boot, super super tall boot, stiff ankles, stiff shank. Uh, a super aggressive sole, right? And let's say you have like 600 grams of insulation in it. And you're doing a, you know, a desert September hunt down in Nevada, right? Let's say it's an archery hunt. Man, your foot is going to sweat constantly in those things. Not to mention, you're not going to be able to move. They're going to be heavy. It's just, it's not good, okay? So what... Pick the boot that fits for the right application, and then take care of it. Um, so, taking care of it. Well, when you're done with the boot, you know, I mentioned things like Gore-Tex uh, and stuff like that earlier. Insulation and Gore-Tex. Um, those are two things that have nothing to do with each other, but also have a lot to do with each other. So one is to keep your foot warm. The other one is to make your foot waterproof, right? So Gore-Tex is the membrane inside the boot that keeps the water off your foot. So it's, you have insulation, you have your foot, 
let's back up. You have your foot, then you have your sock, and then you have your insulation, and then you would have Gore-Tex, and then the outside shell of the boot would be your leather or your Cordura. So, the two have really no correlation. But when it comes to foot care, your foot is, if you've got a high insulation boot and Gore-Tex, that Gore-Tex traps heat. And so that Gore-Tex is going to work with that insulation to make it even hotter. Um, so you want to make sure if you're running an insulated Gore-Tex boot that you really know what you're doing because you could really end up with an uncomfortable boot. Uh, most of the times, if I have a Gore-Tex boot, I'm running a non-insulated boot. Uh, the reason being is that with merino wool socks and my personal feet, which seem to run pretty warm, uh, with just a Gore-Tex liner and merino socks, that's plenty of insulation for where I live. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it might dip down into the 30s where I'm at, but mostly it's between 40s and 50s during a normal hunting season. Um, anyways, so just think about that when you're going to buy an insulated and a Gore-Tex boot. Um, if, if you're going to be in snow and it's going to be 20 degrees, then yeah, an insulated Gore-Tex boot is probably not a bad choice. Um, but for the most part, it's a little excessive. So, uh... Make sure you check out Gore-Tex. Make sure you check out the insulation. Um, leather and Cordura. Oh, man, Leather and Cordura. I could, I could go on and on about this stuff. So, Cordura is that kind of poly material that kind of looks kind of like heavy netting uh, or maybe like a, like a plasticky looking canvas. Um that you'll see on some boots. There, some boots are used as more of a decorative thing. I don't really understand why they just don't go to full leather on some of that, some of those boots, um, especially the more or the less expensive boots. Uh, you'll see more Cordura. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's fairly decent. Um, but if you want any kind of water resistance at all with a Cordura boot, then you're probably going to want to find a Cordura boot with Gore-Tex because Cordura, Cordura is not, I repeat, is not water resistant at all. And you cannot oil it or grease it. It is what it is. The only way that your foot is going to stay dry in those boots is with a Gore-Tex liner. Otherwise, you might as well be wearing a tennis shoe. That's about the kind of protection you're going to get. Uh, as far as a leather boot goes, um, there's a whole list of leather thicknesses and qualities and types um, that people use for boots. Um, you know, you take, I mean, depends on the animal that the leather comes from. And yes, all leather comes from animals, people. It's not just made in a leather factory somewhere. It is made from animals. Uh, it is the hide of some animal somewhere. That's just how it is. Um, so you that have a problem with that probably shouldn't be listening to this show. 
because that's what the show's about. Sorry, little hard knocks there, but I gotta get people to reality. Some people have issues with this stuff. I met people the other day that didn't know that chickens came from eggs, and eggs came from chickens. They just thought that they came from hens, which were just some random thing somewhere. They had no connection. Sorry, side topic, getting off course. Back to uh, the leather at hand. So, thickness of leather. If you have cow leather, for instance, uh, a thick cow leather boot has already has, or excuse me, thick cow leather already has some waterproof properties to it. Water-resistant properties, excuse me. Um, and the thicker the leather, usually the more water-resistant it is. Uh, it's a thicker membrane. The thinner the leather, and the way that the leather is cut, uh, one will cause stretch or not cause stretch, which is another issue we can talk about. Um, and two, the leather quality and the way it's cut, the grain that it's cut to, depends on how, will, will dictate how water resistant that leather will be. A good quality leather, cut the right way, right thickness, uh, is pretty water resistant on its own. Now, <clears throat> if you were to add things like oils, uh, beeswax, um, there's, there's all kinds of products out there. Uh, for waterproofing your boots. Now, there's a difference between water-repellent substances and boot-conditioning substances. Uh, they can, they both are useful. Uh, one is to keep the leather from drying and cracking out. The other one is to clog the pores of the leather and keep water from saturating your foot so to specify that uh, the boot conditioner is usually a beeswax based uh, product there might be some other ones out there that I'm not aware of but I think for the most part they're a beeswax product and the point of that is is that when I was talking earlier about getting your boots wet and then drying them and then getting them wet again and drying them day after day, that leather is shrinking and stretching and shrinking and stretching and cracking and tearing and ripping and pulling. And now you have no boot. And so by using a leather conditioner, um, it, it softens that leather and keeps that leather, even when it's dry, it's keeping it from getting to that that hardened state. Uh, I don't know how many people out there have got leather wet and then watch it dry. It gets really hard and brittle. So the leather conditioner keeps it from getting to that point. Your boot's going to be dry, but it's not going to be stiff. And so it's still pliable. It's still flexible. And it's not going to wear out like it would if you didn't use anything and you just let that heat and that uh, dry that leather out and make it fragile. Um, now, waterproofing uh, materials, they come in beeswax, um, there's some like mink oil, um, there's, there's a bunch of other synthetic products out there. Uh, 
but you have some kind of oil-based product. Um, and the whole point of that, I mean, if you think about it, leather came from a live animal. Animals are made up of cells. So, and pores and, and all this stuff. So, in my mind, I think about this is, if you think about on a micro scale, if you look at leather, it looks like a sponge, like your kitchen sponge, right? It's got all these little holes and pores and things all over in it. Well, when water hits that, it wants to get sucked up in all those little holes and pores and take over residency, right? They want to live in those little holes and, and stay there. Well, the problem with that is your foot gets wet. Uh, so what you're doing uh, with, these, with these products, these oil-based products, is, as most people know, oil and water don't mix, right? They don't like each other. So if you pre-treat all these little sponge holes in your boot, all those little leather holes, if you fill them with grease or oil, when the water comes, it has nowhere to go because those, those voids are already filled up with something that they don't like. And the oil and the grease keep the water out. The water beads off. The water goes away. It, it doesn't penetrate that hole. Now, eventually, if you're standing in a lake, uh, there's more water than there is grease in your boots, and then the water's going to beat up the grease and kick it out of its hole and take over its space, and now you got a wet foot. Uh, but for most applications of rainy weather, walking in the woods... By greasing your boots, you're going to you're going to have a product that is going to help your foot stay dry. Um, also, due to its properties of oil and beeswax and all this other stuff, it also works as a leather conditioner. Uh, the caveat to this is most companies, and I don't know all of them, I know a few for sure. Most companies will tell you. That if you have a Gore-Tex line boot, that you should not use oils, waterproofing oils. Now, so for some of you, you're probably like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. That's kind of what the whole point of the Gore-Tex is. Uh, some people may not. But it, going back to that, so your Gore-Tex is uh, a fabric that is also porous. Uh, it's a, it's kind of like the leather. It's made to breathe. Um, it's like a micro mesh. It's able to breathe, so air is able to travel through it somewhat. Not that great, but somewhat. That's that's what it was designed for. But it it's not allowing water droplets to to get through it. Um, and it works kind of like kind of like a tent fabric. I, I don't. Maybe some of you know what a tent fabric is. Maybe some of you know what Gore-Tex is. I don't know. But it works. In a way that the holes in this material are so small that water can't pass through it. Or it's extremely hard. Um, but with, with these oils and these greases that we use to treat our boots with, um, I don't know if it, if it, how it affects the Gore-Tex, but it compromises the Gore-Tex in such a way that your boots will start leaking. So, most companies that have a Gore-Tex line boot that I've seen will say to use a boot conditioner, not a boot grease or a boot oil. Um, so, 
if you have a Gore-Tex boot, you probably have some Cordura. Cordura is also a thing you don't really want to use boot oils or greases on. Um, so a leather conditioner is what you're going to want to use. Because you just need to keep that leather from drying out and cracking. Your Gore-Tex is going to keep your foot dry. Um, the other thing is, is that when you're looking at boots, if you got a less expensive boot, you're probably not going to have much stitching. Um, the soles will usually be glued on. Uh, some of the other components of the boot might be glued on. Uh, if they are stitched, it's maybe just one row of stitching instead of like three rows of stitching. And the problem being with with a product like that that has a lot of glues and not very good stitching is that your oil also reacts to that stuff. Your your boot grease and your boot oils, your your petroleum-based stuff or your mink oils, whatever, is gonna break those glues down. It's gonna it's gonna hold little chunks of silica and, and stuff in it that's gonna be abrasive to those stitching and it's going to cause issues with your boot where the beeswax and the boot conditioner does not have that same effect <clears throat> so i guess what i'm saying is if you're buying a full leather boot and the recommendation of the manufacturer says use oil and grease for waterproofing of boot do so. If not, don't do so. So follow the manufacturer's recommendations. Just know, full grain, full leather boot, probably going to want to use some, some kind of oils unless it's Gore-Tex lined. If it's not, if you're just running a Gore-Tex uh, Cordura blend lower level boot, Probably just need to use boot conditioner. And that's enough probably on that soapbox. But going back to how long is going to last, all those things that I just talked about have an effect on how long that boot's going to last. And the last thing you want to worry about, realistically, uh, with boots, is a warranty. Now the warranty is strictly going to be off of what? The manufacturer's recommendations, right? So kind of all that stuff I just talked about really doesn't matter if you didn't follow the directions when you bought the boots. They're going to tell you how those boots need to be treated because they're thinking about all those things I just said. They know what their boots can do. They know what, what the boot's kryptonite is, what the boot can and can't do. So... Make sure you follow the manufacturer's recommendations. Now, with that said, some boot companies have really good warranties. You wear that boot out, man, they're going to fix it. Something goes wrong and then the Gore-Tex is leaking, they're going to fix it. Other companies, not so much. So make sure you do your research. Um, some companies that you go to, especially a lot of these uh, full leather boots, you're going to get a company that will rebuild your boot. It might not necessarily be a warranty where they're going to fix it for free, 
but they will rebuild your boot and give you basically a brand new boot for about a fourth of the price of a new boot. Um, so things to think about, you know, find a boot company. I mean, personally, I try to find a, a company with whatever I buy, whatever I purchase that has warranties with them. So if something happens, it's free insurance, right? As long as you do the things that you're supposed to do and you follow the manufacturer's recommendations, that product should hold up. And if it doesn't, it's on them. It's free insurance. Yeah, you might have to call them up, and you might have to write an email, and you might have to go down to the post office and send your boots off in a box and put a thing called a stamp on it. But you will get your product, and you are saving money, right? We're mediocre people here. We don't have money to be thrown out the window. So make sure you have a quality warranty when you look at these products before you purchase these products. Do your homework. The internet is a great place. That's about all I have to say with warranties. Then we'll go into foot care. <coughs> now this is actually treating your foot. Okay? Yeah, the things at the bottom of your legs, your feet. Um, you got to keep your feet dry. You got to keep them clean. You got to keep them dry. Right? Uh, heat and friction. Heat and friction are what's going to cause blisters and hot spots. So you got to keep them dry. You got to keep them clean. Socks are a big part of this, man. Like, you got to be wearing good, clean socks, moisture wicking socks. Um, you know, in the summertime and in the, when it's hot out, powders are okay, wipes are okay. Uh, oh, and one thing I didn't mention earlier with the boots, but could kind of come in here, insoles. Insoles are huge. Uh, that comfort in your foot, you know, you want something that's going to give you good arch support so that your knees and your back and your hips don't hurt, but also something that's soft and cushions your foot. Um, and I, I can tell you from experience, the wrong inserts cause your feet to sweat, the wrong material, your socks start binding in them, your socks start binding, it causes a weird wrinkle in your sock, which causes friction, which causes blisters. So all these things come into play. But the biggest thing with foot care is if your feet are getting sweaty and you're, you're working them hard, change your socks. Air your feet out. You know, if you've got four or five hours on a hike somewhere... And you got a chance to stop, pull your boots off, right? Let your boots air out. Let your socks air out. Get your feet out in the open and let them air out. Let them dry out. Check your feet. Make sure you're not getting any blisters. Be aware of what your feet are doing. Are you getting hot spots? You know, examine them. Are you getting little blisters? Should you take care of them? What should you do? All these things are foot care. Okay, so you, you air your feet out. Well... Maybe maybe you pack extra socks because you know you got sweaty feet. Maybe you're that kind of person. Pack an extra pair of dry socks with you. That will that will help. Um, like I said, powders and wipes. Uh, I usually in the summertime, <clears throat> I always carry a small package of baby wipes and a little bit of of uh, powder. Put a little powder in my boot helps dry everything out. 
wipe my feet down good, make sure I'm not got a bunch of dust and dirt and crap that's going to to cause more friction along with sweat and being bound into a into a boot. Clean yourself up. Take care of yourself. Um, there's even some stuff out which I've never used this, but there's some stuff out that people use. I guess it's called foot lube. Um, but apparently, if you're in wet weather, if you put this lube on your feet, uh, some people, I guess, use coconut oil. But if you put this lube on your feet and keep your foot lubed up, it's going to, when it's wet, it's going to lower the chances of friction and heat building up in your foot, which would cause a blister. It sounds weird to me. I've never tried it. Uh, but it makes sense if you don't think about it. So, but there's some some pretty, pretty important uh, hikers and stuff that I've read up on that, that talk about this lubing of the feet. I don't know. Uh, Google it. Check it out. Um, and then the coconut oil, I guess people talk about coconut oil as uh, help, you know, it helps your foot, it's just foot care as far as, I guess the same as using lip balm on your lips, right? It keeps them from getting dry and chapped and, and cracked and all that stuff. So, um, anything you can do to take care of your feet. Um, you know, there's also people out there that wear these barefoot shoes. Which I'm not necessarily against. I, I think it's kind of a weird thing for me personally because I'm an old crotchety dude. But it makes sense. Uh, we were meant to be barefoot. We were born that way. Uh, we were created that way. However you want to look at it. We walk barefoot for centuries. So, uh, and we're pretty much the only animal that wears shoes. Other than horses, which is also our fault. Uh, so, I mean, the barefoot thing makes sense to me. It, it, it helps spread your foot out. You got better stability, toughens up the soles of your foot. So you can actually, you know, move around out there without going ooh, ow, ooh, ow, ow, on every rock and twig because we are, we got pretty sensitive feet, um, because we wear shoes all the time and just the way of our lives. We don't, we don't run around barefoot. So, that brings me to another point is that whenever you can, it's if you want to toughen up your feet for hiking in the woods and being outside, go barefoot in your house. Go barefoot. Uh, summertime, go barefoot as much as you can. I'm not saying, you know, be a flip-flop guy and go to the store every day and flip-flops because that's just weird. But if you're around your house, yeah, go barefoot. Build your feet up. If you exercise and, and you work out, why not work out your feet? It's the same thing. It's just a different part of your body. It all needs it all needs to be conditioned for for your adventures outdoors. So work on your feet. Another thing uh, at the end here I'll talk about, and this is just something that. Uh, trick that I learned actually from uh, another podcast that I listened to. Um, I'm sure some of you have heard of Remy Warren, but he had 
a note in one of his podcasts earlier last year uh, about duct tape and how to use duct tape to help with blisters. Um, there's many, many things you can use. I mean, there's moleskin, uh, band-aids, uh, there's all kinds of different products out there, commercial products that you can use to help with blisters and, and hot spots. But what Remy was talking about that I thought was really cool was the use of duct tape. I've never heard of this before until, until I listened to his show, but if you take a piece of duct tape, you know, maybe a quarter inch bigger all the way around than the hot spot or the blister, and you put that thing over top of it, and you put that adhesion side against your skin, right? You stick it to your skin. Not only <coughs> does that sticky backside of the tape hold that blister in place, but the slick backside of the duct tape keeps the blister from getting bigger because now it's slick and it's not binding and creating friction. I thought it was a great idea. Uh, I've tried it several times. I have issues with my heels uh, getting blisters. And uh, I used it several times this year, especially in my rubber boots, which we haven't talked about yet. But uh, it worked great. Uh, I'm, I'm sold on it. It, it. It's a game changer for me. So it doesn't work perfect every time, but it, it does work. So something to think about. Carry, carry a foot, a little, maybe a one foot or two feet of duct tape somewhere in your pack. Um, doesn't take up much space. And if you ever get a hot spot or blister, pull your foot off or pull your boot off, apply it, and start trekking. Um, rubber boots. Rubber boots are <sighs> rubber boots are are a sore subject for me. No pun intended. Um, I have yet to find a pair of rubber boots that I could wear all day hiking. Um, I've tried the muck boots. I've tried, uh, I guess it'd be several brands, not just the muck brand, but that style of boot, that, uh, rubber and neoprene combination boot. And I, I haven't had good luck with them. Um, yeah, they're great for tromping around the farm or tromping around the backyard. But if you're going to actually hike with these things, uh, they don't hold up. Um, I've tried some just regular old rubber boots, the old style brown rubber boots. Um, and they're okay. Again, um, sock selection is big because it seems like half the time my socks end up at my toe. Um, <coughs> so you don't want a super slick sock. Um, and you want something with some pretty good elastic to it, but all in all, it just, I haven't found a rubber boot that I truly can say is something that I would throw on my feet and hike all day in. Um, now there is, there is another company out there, um, I don't have a sponsor with them, I don't have any sponsors, but, um, uh, I've heard good things from some other podcasts about these boots. Um, 
They they might be as good as they say they are. I don't know. Um, I've never used a product. So going off of their recommendation, uh, it's a company called Gumleaf. It's a free free prompt for them. I don't know anything about the boot, um, but it sounds like people are pretty happy with them. So as an advertiser, you know, I, I don't know why one would be better than the other. I'm not an advertiser, but everybody tries to make their stuff sound like it's the best thing in, in the world. So I don't know about that. All I know is there's been a lot of hype about those boots, uh, and it sounds like the way they're built is different than most other boots. But they are expensive. They are extremely expensive. So one of the reasons why I haven't ventured that route yet. But rubber boots. Um, the only other alternative for me uh, when it comes with some sort of rubber boot um, are what I call and most people call pack boots. Um, there's some lighter versions that, uh, I don't know, people call them maybe like duck shoes or whatever. But... Basically, what they are, they have a rubber bottom um, up to the ankle, and then from the ankle up uh, are leather upper. So, those boots, um, now that depends on the brand and the style. I mean, there's snow versions where they have heavy foot liners in them, and, and then some that have light liners in them, but felt liners. Uh, but those boots seem to be pretty decent. Um, they're, they're darn waterproof, um, they're warm, uh, they're lace-up, so you can actually tighten them down on your foot, but I can actually walk in those things all day. Um, they're, again, they're fairly expensive, you're talking probably anywhere from 50 for a super cheap pair to probably 250 for the high-end, uh, companies that make those. Um, and then anywhere in between, but, uh, I just, to me, if you're going to spend that much money on a rubber boot, um, it better last and it better, better not be giving you blisters because that's a lot of money to spend on something that you're unsure of. So, uh, I guess in hindsight, looking back through this podcast, I would say if you're on a budget, I would go with the highest quality boot you can find, and more than likely I would buy a leather boot with a Gore-Tex liner. That's the best bang for your buck. Um, that's pretty much, for the most part, an all-season boot. Um, and you can hopefully get a few years out of it, a few seasons out of it. So, uh, I hope this was helpful. Um... I would appreciate if you guys would click the stars down at the bottom of the uh, reviews and give me a good review, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Hey guys, one last thing. Uh, I would like it if you guys would comment on my Instagram page, uh, Mediocre Outdoors, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, if you got some comments or maybe some suggestions for another show, please uh, message me on Instagram. I'm not sure if this platform that I'm using right now 
has the ability to message me directly. So you can always get a hold of me on Instagram. I would love to hear comments, um, how to improve the podcast, things you guys want to hear. So uh, don't be afraid to message me, Mediocre Outdoors, on Instagram. Later.